We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the field. It goes down. down in the field. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. I'm back. Rudrance for our Black and White Sports 2. We have a Devontae Adams update. Of course, this is football Sunday. I've got six minutes before kickoff, and I'm trying to shoot this. Uh, But there has been an update on his situation and where the NFL stands, of course, coming off of the shove heard around the world from uh, Monday Night Football of the ESPN freelance photographer. And, of course, that photographer actually filed a police report, assault, and the police have to follow up on that if if a citizen actually files a report on that. Uh, So let's get to this. This is going to be from uh, PFT on this one. Filing of assault charges apparently delays any discipline of Devontae Adams. Now, there's a key takeaway here. Um, There was a feeling that the NFL might just discipline Devontae Adams in like a, we're going to fine him in a a week-to-week game type fine. But that's not how this is going to work. It's going to fall under the personal conduct policy, it looks like, which is probably bad news long-term. For Devontae Adams, he's gonna get he's gonna miss some games over this. After uh, Raiders receiver Devontae Adams was charged with assault following Monday night's two-handed shove to the ground of an ESPN freelancer at Arrowhead, we posed a simple question to the league: Will Adams' case play out under normal weekly disciplinary process for situations arising during games? Or will Adams now be subject to potential punishment under the personal conduct policy? Ian Rappaport of NFL Media reports that discipline of Adams won't happen until the legal case is resolved. That's that's what's happening in the Alvin Kamara case right now over the guy he beat the hell out of out in Las Vegas during the Pro Bowl. While it's clearly not stated in the article... This necessarily means that Adams will be punished under the personal conduct policy, not the usual process for fining or suspending players for things happening during or after games. After seeing Rappaport's report, we contacted the league again for an answer to the question of whether or not Adams will be disciplined now under the game day rules or later under the personal conduct policy. Quote, remains under review pending developments in the case. NFL spokes, uh, chief spokesman Brian McCarthy said via email Sunday morning, this strongly implies that the situation is tied to the criminal case and that the final outcome will be handled under the personal conduct policy. It's unclear where the line is between in-game punishment and the discipline under the personal conduct policy. So we've got different people that look at that, by the way. You've got Derek Brooks or James Thrash, or you've got, you know, Judge Sue L. Robinson, like we saw with Deshaun Watson. The filing of the assault charges can't be the deciding factor because things happen after a given play for which assault charges technically could be filed. In theory, Mason Rudolph could have filed assault charges against Miles Garrett in 2019 after Garrett attacked Rudolph with his own helmet. In 2005, Andre Andre Garrard could have filed assault charges against Albert Hainsworth after Albert Hainsworth pulled off the helmet and stomped on his forehead. The filing of charges 
surely wouldn't have delayed the disciplinary process. Here, the difference is the game was over, and Adams was walking towards the locker room. Also, the victim wasn't another player, but someone hired to do a job with connection to ESPN's broadcast game of the game. It more naturally falls under the personal conduct policy, even without filing of charges. It's good news for the Raiders in the short term because it means they'll have Adams when they emerge from this weekend's bye. Eventually, however, Adams is surely looking at some kind of punishment to be determined initially by Judge Robinson and to be finalized by the commissioner or designee, barring an agreed resolution to the situation. Uh, So, that's where Devontae Adams stands. Now, I don't know how fast this legal process is going to go. You know, if he's got lawyers, which I'm sure he does, you know, they could go through the process, not guilty, guilty, appeal of that, et cetera, et cetera. My gut feeling, and I, I certainly could be wrong. I'm no legal expert. But my gut feeling is maybe he won't reach discipline. Uh, they won't reach discipline on this until the season's over. Like, like the fact that there's actual charges in the legal system, and we know how the legal system works. It's not quick, generally speaking. Uh, so, we don't know. We'll find out. Uh, we'll keep tabs on it. But as of right now, doesn't look like he's going to be suspended immediately. It's going to be, we got a sort of a Deshaun Watson-like plot building here. And it's going to go through a process. So, tell me what you think, Black and White Sports 2 fans. Peace. I'm out. Till next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. I'm back. Rudrance for our Black and White Sports. Let's talk about Troy Aikman. In the last week, Troy Aikman had some controversy as he was on Monday Night Football with Joe Buck on ESPN. And there was, of course, a terrible, one of the two terrible roughing the passer penalties that we've ever seen on back-to-back days, one involving Grady Jarrett and Tom Brady, the other on Monday Night Football between Chris Jones and quarterback Derek Carr of the Raiders. And Troy Aitman was very vocal of his criticism of how the game is played. He came out and said, let them take the dresses off. In other words, let them play actual football. Well, as you can imagine, I did this video. There was outrage. Now, you will never convince me that outrage wasn't bullshit. That it wasn't fake outrage. Who the hell could possibly, truly be offended? Now, they'll go on Twitter and act like they're offended. But do I think they're really offended? No, I don't. I truly don't. Well, a Boston sports radio host has come out and has slammed the outrage involving Troy Aikman in that comment. She thinks it's bullshit. Plain and simple. If you don't like it, you really, really need to get a life. Now, we're talking about a woman here. A woman who's not outraged by that. By the way, I know other women that are not outraged by that. In fact, they're outraged by the outrage. Let's get to this. This is a Daily Wire. Who cares? Female sports host has choice words for those upset about Aikman's, quote, misogynistic comment. Boston sports radio host Megan Ottolini, I hope I, I hope I said your name right. I apologize if I didn't, had a few choice words for those upset about NFL legend Troy Aitman's comments during Monday Night Football that has been deemed misogynistic. The most disappointing part about all this is that Troy Aitman came out and bent a knee and apologized. I mean, it's just absurd. It's absurd. During a recent Merloni, Fourier, and Mago show on WEEI-FM radio, two, two of the hosts, Lou Maroney and Christian Fourier, wanted Ottolini to weigh in on her story 
they said was causing, quote, everybody to lose their minds. And it was. Earlier in the week, this was a huge story. Aikman objected to a roughing. The passer called during the Chiefs-Raiders game, quote, I hope that the competition committee looks at this in the next set of meetings and, you know, we take the dresses off. The Daily Wire previously reported the radio host played the clip and Maloney said the former quarterback meant stop playing like a bunch of girls. Well, if the if the dress fits, wear it. Altolini's co-host then asked her if she was, quote, offended by Aikman's comments and if she thought the Hall of Fame quarterback should apologize. And, and there is a clip to this. We'll just play it. Let's just play it. Be losing their minds. You know, we take the dresses off. Take the, take the dresses off. What does he mean? Off. What does so, he mean by that? Here's the thing. This is Mego. Stop playing like a bunch of girls. I will go to you, Mego. <laughs> Are you offended? And should Troy Aikman apologize? Hell no to both. I'm not offended at You're all. You're not offended and he shouldn't I'll tell apologize. you why. Real quick, okay. because it's just like... You know, I, it, who cares? <laughs> Honestly, who cares? I don't care. If you're offended by that, it's like it's like when somebody asked me if you can say, like, let's go, guys, to your team of girls soccer players. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, who cares? Like, honestly, why are you wasting your time on this? If this infuriates you, I'm jealous that you have so much energy to dedicate to being mad at Troy Aikman. I'm like, <laughs> Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Amen. Amen. Are you watching this anyway? But the other side of it is... Yeah, why are you watching it anyway? Why are you consuming football? Because here's my issue. I guarantee you a lot of the people that had all the outrage, not even football fans. I guarantee you, not even football fans. Absolutely ridiculous. Not even football fans, I assure you. During Aikman's appearance on Thursday night on Sports Radio 96.7, FM 1310, the ticket, he said that his, quote, comments were dumb per pro football talk. I mean, my comments were dumb, just shouldn't have made them, just dumb remarks on my part. But the other part, what came from that, what I said was that it, it implied that I am not in favor of protecting quarterbacks, which could not be further from the truth. I'm totally in favor of the protection that quarterbacks are afforded and all the players for that matter, but there's no question there have been over-enforcement of the protection of quarterbacks. Now, this is coming from a guy that, look, Troy Aikman, I'm not going to act like Troy wasn't a tough some bitch. He was. He was. He got beat to hell in the 90s. Concussions really and truly forced Troy out. You know, there. I've heard him tell stories out there about, you know, there were teams that wanted to sign Troy Aikman. There were. Even even two, three years after he retired. But it was hit, it was concussions, like head injuries. Steve Young, same thing. Uh, Brett Favre got beat to hell. It was just a different, much, much more enjoyable game back then. It was. And this Boston sports host is just keeping it real. She's right. What is the deal? How do you have time to get offended by this? Why are you consuming the NFL if you're that much of a damn pansy and you've got to be offended by everything? I mean, people literally were watching the game, picked up their phone, and started their damn fake outrage while the game was still going on. I mean, it's utterly ridiculous. Here you've got this. She's a woman. And and she's like, hell no, I'm not offended by that. Bra- you know what? Bravo. Bravo to her for having the guts to come out and, and not only slam being offended, but like, if you're offended by this, just quit watching football. Just go on with it. You shouldn't be involved. You're watching the wrong sport. Maybe you need to watch some trans volleyball or something. I don't know. Uh, tell me what you think, black and white sports fans. Wow, she's got more guts than Troy Aikman. 
You know, the biggest disappointment in all this is that Aikman came out and bent the knee. And look, that's part of the problem with working for some of these networks, Fox Sports, and in his case now, ESPN. I mean, that's the woke, most damn woke organization we've ever seen involved with sports. They're the ones that single-handedly dragged wokeness into sports. So I'm sure he took some heat for that. Troy, you're more important to ESPN than ESPN is to you. Push back. When they tell you to apologize, push back. I mean, come on. It wasn't a dumb comment. It wasn't. Come on. Peace. I'm out. Till next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. I'm back. Rudrance for our Black and White Sports. Well, we've got a Brittany Griner update, and it is a big one, and it is disastrous news for Brittany Griner. This comes directly from one of the aides, direct aides, to Vladimir Putin. And they let you know very clearly where Brittany Griner stands right now. And that uh, optimism from Bill Richardson about the fact that she might be out by year's end, it looks like you can literally light that on fire. Okay? Um, They have come out. They made a very strong statement out of Russia today. And it looks really bad for WNBA star Brittany Griner. It certainly does. It doesn't look like she is coming home anytime soon. Wow, we just learned about the prison conditions over there and about how there's basically two showers a week. Oh, man, make you think twice about what you do before you go through customs in a foreign country like Russia. WNBA star Brittany Griner is not a main concern, Russian aide declares. And this is an update. An aide to Russian President Vladimir Putin said Sunday that WNBA star Brittany Griner's release is not imminent. Is not imminent. Quote, in this tense situation, I think that he, Biden is thinking first and foremost about the upcoming midterm elections. Look, we we said this this Brittany Griner thing for the Democrats was a political ploy, and Biden was trying to make it look like I am doing everything I can, everything I can to get her out. He offered up the, the merchant of death in a trade swap for Brittany Griner. Russia came out and said she's not a priority. And they haven't even acknowledged that trade offer last we heard. Not even acknowledged it. In this tense situation, I think that he, Biden, is thinking first and foremost about the upcoming midterm elections. Said Yuri Yuskakov on state-run TV program, Moscow Kremlin Putin. Quote, He keeps emphasizing the need to bring Griner home. However, it's not the main issue we are concerned about. Wow. Wow. And this is what, of course, Karen Jean-Pierre said a while back. Quote, "We're, we're going to continue to do everything we can, work tirelessly every day to make sure we can get them home, said White House Press Secretary Karen Jean-Pierre speaking on the meeting on the meeting substance and talking about the meeting between Cheryl Griner, uh, Brittany Griner's wife, and Biden. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan joined Biden at those meetings. The White House said, goes on to talk about the fact that she is a two-time Olympic gold medalist and plays for the Phoenix Mercury. The U.S. and Russia has been discussing a potential prisoner swap, but those talks have yet to bear fruit. Yeah, nothing nothing has come out of it. Nothing has come out of it at all. Efforts to arrange a swap to free her, this is USA Today, 
have been hampered by historically poor relations with Russia. Biden said he would be willing to discuss Griner's case with Putin at next month's Group of 20 meeting in Indonesia. Huh. Huh. Okay. I mean, that's that's Biden say, saying I'd be willing to talk to, to Putin if I can get a uh, audience with his... Yeah, please. I mean, this is this is so political. I mean, it's political from the standpoint of the virtue signaling from the Democrats. They're coming out trying to make it look like they're doing everything they can. The other thing is Russia has been very vocal about not making this public from the Biden administration, from people involved, and they continue to come out and make statements about it. And you can tell from this statement, Russia is irritated over this whole thing. Okay, they're irritated over it. I mean, they came out, they were talking about, well, medical marijuana, this and that and the other. Russia come out and said, that is what the United States does. We have no business being drug addicts over here. I mean, they made that statement about this. So that tells you, Exactly how they feel about Brittany Griner and her situation. This is serious to Russia, but it's not serious enough during what they have going on right now to make her a priority. This is bad news. Right after Richardson came out and said, we think she might get out by year's end. Doesn't look that way at all. A release is not imminent. Not even on the radar. Wow. Wow. Tell me what you think, black and white sports fans. Brittany Griner, I bet she uh, acknowledges and respects that national anthem of ours a little better when she eventually makes her way back to the United States. At least I hope she does. Peace. I'm out. Till next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. Black and White Network supporters, make sure you go over and check out the Black and White Network merchandise store. 25% off USA First. 25% off USA First. Go now. I'm back. Rudrance for our Black and White Network. Well, we've got ourselves a new video to add to the creepy collection of images and other videos out there that has got Joseph Biden labeled Creepy Joe. Generally speaking, involving young girls and saying things really close to their necks and their ears. Oh, that sends a shiver down our spine. Now we know. There's a, a really uh, extremist, radical, progressive wing of the Democratic Party that thinks this kind of thing is just normal. It's okay. Uh, I believe we call it grooming. They're just fine with this. But so many people are not fine with it that even many in the Democratic Party has shot the deuce over things like this. And we'll vote red, and you're seeing it in certain states like New York. I've got a video coming on that because it's unbelievable how close that race has gotten all of a sudden for governor. Crime doesn't help either. But we got some new video involving Creepy Joe. Mm. Yeah, creepy indeed. Breitbart. Joe Biden grabs young girl's shoulders. Tells her no serious guys until you're 30. Oh, God. I mean... That creepy shiver that Burl Ives had thinking about the abominable snowman and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. We all remember that shudder. I think that's the same shudder we have that is uh, spiraling down our spines right now. President Joe Biden appeared to get a little too personal while posing for pictures with a young girl and her family on Friday. Quote, now a very for important thing I told my daughters and granddaughters. No serious guys until you're 30. The president said, grabbing the girl's shoulders. Oh, there is video of this, and it is creepy indeed. Let's look. Now, very important thing I told my daughter and granddaughters. 
No serious guys in the 30. Okay. <laughs> no what? No serious Look guys at her face. in the 30. I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> And who are you, Dad? Exactly. Who are you? Look at her face. I mean, oh, oh, God. What the fuck, Dad? Why are you letting this old creepo? I mean, look at her. She's awkward. Let's listen one more time. I told my daughter and granddaughters, no serious guys in your 30. Okay. Right? <laughs> no what? No serious guys in your 30. I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> Oh, so, uh, yeah, Dad, uh, you're not doing your job. Quote, okay, the unidentified girl said, laughing nervously. I'll keep that in mind. Another woman in the background could be here agreeing with Biden, repeatedly saying, quote, at least. Oh, let's face it. A lot of you are are just fine with this level of uh, perverted debauchery. Let's just keep it real. Caden Delamita who filmed the moment, appeared to be waved off by a Secret Service agent from filming further after the president gave this awkward relationship advice to a young girl. The encounter occurred at Irvine Community College in Irvine, California, where the president gave remarks on lowering inflation and pharmaceutical drug costs. The president has offered the same dating advice to younger individuals before, While visiting a group of elementary school students in Philadelphia after a young girl told the president she was nine, quote, the only thing I want you to remember is no serious guys until you're 30 years old. As Breitbart News has documented, Biden has a long history of making uncomfortable remarks or having uncomfortable public encounters with women. While visiting a Haitian cultural center, In Miami, in October of 2020, during the presidential campaign, Biden told a group of young girls who had just performed a traditional dance that he wanted to, quote, see them dancing when they're four years older. What the hell? I guess I missed that. Oh. Oh, and we're supposed to buy that. Never mind. I was was about to say something that YouTube wasn't going to like. In the middle of a speech honoring military personnel last year, the president told one veteran that his young daughter, quote, looked like she was 19 years old sitting there with her like a little lady with her legs crossed. As vice president, Biden has also been seen on camera appearing to sniff the hair of young children during the swearing-in ceremonies of congressional members. There it is. We got us another bona fide Creepy ass Joe moment right there. Wow. Unbelievable. It looked like that was turning point that uh, gave the assist on the video there. Unbelievable. I feel like there's an entire faction of the Dem party that is full of a bunch of just uh, depraved, immoral, um, perverted low lives you know and i feel like the uh the potential the 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 in theory president of the united states that we have right now is sort of like the ringleader of that trashy ass circus wow you tell me what you think black and white network fans peace i'm out till next time Black and White Network supporters, make sure you go over and check out the Black and White Network merchandise store. 25% off USA First. 25% off USA First. Go now. I'm back. Rudrance for our Black and White Network. Let's talk about the New York governor race. You know, we are following some of these potential blue states that we kind of thought might be out of reach. You know, we watched the Virginia race uh, last year where, or earlier this year, where we saw... um, All of a sudden, a Republican got voted in. Why? Because, well, Democrats decided to go after the children, which, of course, means they went after the families for indoctrination of things like uh, CRT and uh, some of the uh, trans policies, the things they were pushing in the schools, 
um, and not wanting to let the parents have a say. Well, they messed around and got themselves a Republican governor because of that. And now we're starting to see things in Oregon, a race that was considered, you know, a state that is radical, that seems completely out of reach. That's now a toss-up between Democrat Tina Kotek and Republican Christine Drazan. Well, now we've got New York. New York is officially in play. Why? Well, some of the polling is starting to come back that shows that people that back in August that leaned Democrat are now showing themselves to be a toss-up. Okay, why is that? Well, crime is one of the biggest things in New York. The other thing, my guess, would be uh, insane COVID mandates that happened up there in that state. And uh, people are not forgetting that, okay? People that, I've said, they stand to lose. The people that are in the middle, the moderates that lean slightly left, they're going to lose those people, okay? Or at least they're going to lose a lot of them, all right? And uh, because they're sitting back going, this just doesn't make any sense anymore. Uh, People, criminals are getting arrested. They're getting released. And then they're committing more crime. (laughs) I mean, what did you expect? They're freaking criminals. I mean, come on. Uh, So let's get to this. This is very interesting. And this is getting some steam. It's all over the place now. New York governor race between Governor Hochul And Representative Lee Zeldin tightens to a toss-up. Zeldin was down to Hockle by as many as 24 points in August. Interesting. New York gubernatorial race between incumbent Democrat Kathy Hochul and GOP challenger Lee Zeldin is now, quote, a toss-up. According to Real Clear Politics polling average, the polling outlet's rolling average of polls from September 30th to October 12th, shows that Hockel is leading the Republican congressman by 5.3%, with 7% of the voters undecided on who they will vote for. Quote, we have just 24 days to go until we fire at Kathy Hochul and save our state. It's not too late for Hochul to come out of hiding and do multiple debates with me across New York Starting immediately, Zeldin said in a Twitter post, along with a graphic showing the race moving from lean Democrat to toss-up. The shifts in polls amounts to a significant comeback for Zeldin, who was down in the polls by as much as 24 points in August. Quote, it's a very competitive race. Pollster uh, uh, Doug Shine, I believe that's going to be Shine, I don't know, uh, told the New York Post on Friday, the recent polling from Marist University showed that while Hockle has a lead over Zeldin, independent voters support Zeldin 49 to 35%. That's a damn landslide. With rising crime resonating with more and more voters, especially in New York City. Quote, although Democratic candidates for governor and U.S. Senate lead in a very blue New York, the race for governor still bears watching. Lee M. Maringhoff, the director of the Marist Institute for Public Opinion, said in a statement, Republicans say they're more likely to vote. Enthusiasm for Zeldin among his supporters exceeds Hockles, and any shift to crime in the closing weeks will likely benefit Zeldin. Zeldin has promised to fire New York City's progressive District Attorney Alvin Bragg. That would be a massive step in getting rid of one of the uh, Soros prosecutors. Immediately upon taking office after the George Soros-backed prosecutor has taken criticism for perceived soft-on-crime policies. There's nothing to be perceived there. That is factual. That is factual. He is pro-criminal, not pro-victim. Okay? Alvin Bragg is radical. He's a radical leftist. All right, Soros backed in the same way that you see people like like Kim Fox and Cory Bush, Ted Wheeler, all of these all these radicals, George Gascon out in LA, 
Uh, that is a George Soros-backed uh, political candidate and a political uh, office holder. Uh, so absolutely keep that in mind. I mean, Soros is trying to wreck us. Quote, I'm not in this race to come in second. I'm all in. I'm over 18 months into the race campaigning all through this entire state. Zeldin said earlier this month, one of the reasons why I got into the race was because of these pro-criminal laws that have been getting passed out of Albany. Hockle has criticized Zeldin on the campaign trail for his stance on abortion and has also attempted to link him to, to the personality and policies of former President Donald Trump, who held a fundraiser for the New York Republican in September. Linking him to Donald Trump is not a negative among Republicans. And among a lot of independents, that's not a negative. So uh, I hate, I hate, I hate to break it to Hockle, but that's not going to hurt Zeldin one little bit. Have you seen Trump's record of backing these candidates? It's a landslide. Campaign representatives for Hockle and Zeldin did not re immediately respond to Fox News. New York, a historically deep blue state, has not had a Republican governor. In 2006, and it was one of multiple blue states where polling suggests Republicans are making inroads in weeks leading up to elections. Polling shows that Oregon, where President Biden rallied Democrats over the weekend, could be on the verge of electing the state's first Republican governor in 35 years. Yeah, they're worried. They're worried. And um, so many of these candidates do not want Biden around them on the campaign trail they don't want them at any events do not show up here you are not welcome you are politically toxic i find that hilarious by the way um that's that's so funny because normally they normally candidates absolutely want your if your president is in your party they absolutely want that okay they were begging Obama to get out there and help them on Democratic campaign trails. Biden, no. They've pulled out a cross like he's effing Dracula, and they're pointing it at him. And that would be a good joke, except, unfortunately, so many Democrats have uh, no longer support Christianity, so it's probably not a, a valid joke. Um, which is one of our problems right now. Let's just let's just be real about that too. As a side note, uh, this is getting very interesting. Oregon, radical Oregon, and now New York tightens up. I keep telling folks that come to this channel that people that are are more centrist and more moderate are going to end up voting Republican. It's stretching into all avenues, you know, radical leftist policies in schools, CRT. I mean, just everything you can possibly think of. You know, a, a painting, a famous painting got destroyed over the last couple of days. Normal people see that and go, they shake their head. Yes, even some Democrats literally shake their head and be like, this is... This is not the kind of thing I support, you know? So that's why you're seeing things like this turning around. Hopefully, hopefully, uh, New York's going to be a tough sell. So's Oregon. But get out and vote. Get out and vote. Vote these SLBs out of office. It's that simple. You, you have the power to vote these assholes out. Plain and simple. Peace. I'm out. Till next time. Matrix and Roadshow fans, we are back with another video and we're going to be talking about episode four of Interview with the Vampire. Now, on my previous review of episode three, I did not like that episode. Uh, go and check out that review. However, the first two episodes I did like. Now, this episode here, episode four, 
The Ruthless Pursuit of Blood with All a Child's Demanding. Now, that title is directly from the book and also in the 1994 movie. Now, this episode brings in Claudia. Now, we saw Claudia come in at the end of um, episode uh, three. Now, she's 14 years old. And by the end of um, this episode, I believe she's 19. So there's like a, a five year um, time jump uh, in this episode. But this this episode is really all about Claudia. And right off the bat, folks, I really, really did enjoy uh, this episode. Nothing like the book. I want to be clear about that. It is nothing like the book whatsoever. But um, Bailey Bass. Yeah, Bailey Bass. That's her name. Plays Claudia. She's uh, 19 years old. And she's uh, playing the young Claudia here in uh, the show. And she did a very, very good job. They also make this version of her vampire uh, much more mature. Well, actually, let me go back. Let me change that. She's definitely, definitely childlike at the beginning of um, the episodes. She is definitely hungry for blood. And when she's actually uh, changed by um, Lestat, um, they use the same line um, that um, that was actually said in the 1994 movie. Uh, Lestat says enough and pulls his arm, arm back. I don't remember if that's exactly in the book, but I know for a fact it was definitely in the uh, 1994 uh, movie. Now, the reason why the reason why Louis actually goes after Claudia. It's not really clear. It's not. Now, they say that um, he heard a voice, but, you know, there was other people, you know, in in the buildings that were burning down. Um, It's not exactly clear. Now, her mother did burn up in the um, in the building. But at the end of episode three, we should see Louis coming in and he runs to her and um, he says, uh, my Claudia, my everything. It's not well established there now. In the book and in the 1994 movie, Louis actually feeds on Claudia. But that did not happen um, here in this episode right here. He just wanted to save her and um, they bring her in as a, uh, a daughter, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, one thing that they did right also, uh, Claudia sleeping in uh, Louis's coffin. They did bring that in. But um I would also mention, though, about um, the maturity of uh, Claudia. She she is a savage in this um, in this episode. She definitely wants to kill indiscriminately. But um, as time passes on, she becomes more mature and she actually falls in love with a human. And the human does not know that um, she is a. um, A vampire. And she's definitely caught up in her. Um emotions and her feelings for this human. And in that miss, she bites him and he dies. I don't remember his name because he's not a character from the book. This is a made up character here for um, uh, the show. Now, that was actually pretty good right there. And the stat tells her, hey, this is why we can't get close to humans. But however, you know, uh, Louis close to his family and um. There's a lot of human human interaction, but not so much in this episode. In this episode, the vampires were pretty much keeping to themselves. You know, except for the scene where there's actually a scene in um, this episode where uh, Louie uh, gets a phone call. And. Um, his uh, mother passes away, he goes to the wake uh, Lestat and Claudia there. That's pretty much the only hu- human interaction because. Pretty much every human interaction in this episode leads to death. Uh, Claudia goes out. She's super hungry and she ends up killing a police officer. And Louis and Lestat are like, no, that's off limits right there. Uh, you cannot do that. But um, she did anyway. Uh, Lestat takes her out for a hunt. And uh, there's these two lovers in a car. Uh, Lestat said, um, I'll go to the other one. You go to this one. And Claudia, this is when she's younger, actually. Uh, She goes up to these people. They're making out. And then she attacks one, but uh, she needs to learn how to attack two. She couldn't do it. So she attacks the human and the woman runs away right into the arms of Lestat and bam, she is dead. So 
I like that. I like that the vampires in this episode were less connected to humans. They were. Uh, this is um, a really good episode right here. Hopefully um, in next episode. Um, it's going to um, keep getting better. I mean, episode three, I did not like it whatsoever. But this one, I really, really did enjoy. And I think you guys would actually enjoy this, too. Uh, like I said, not faithful to the book. Definitely different. And um, yeah, it's pretty good. Now, the interview doesn't necessarily happen in this episode. Uh, because uh, Daniel, everything pretty much takes place during the day and Louis is away sleeping. But uh, Louis, um, I don't know who this guy is. His um, his valet, I guess you can call him. Gives um, Daniel Claudius journals. Now, I believe those journals actually show up in another book, if I'm not mistaken. I don't remember exactly which one, but um, he's reading the journals and that's where um, the interview per se happens. He's reading her journals. So. But good episode, guys. Good comeback from uh, episode three. I didn't like it. I know I got a lot of down votes on um, uh, the last episode, but uh, I don't know what it is, man. These these people are coming in. They're downvoting. uh uh, that particular uh, review, uh, they like my first two episodes review. And I, I guess they'll like this one because it was a positive and it was a good episode. And I'm going to be fair. I'm judging this on an episode by episode basis. So that's just my thoughts on this. What do you guys think of this? Matrix and Roadshow fans, let us know what you think about all this in the comments. Make sure to subscribe to the channel. And we'll catch you next time. Black and White Network supporters, make sure you go over and check out the Black and White Network merchandise store. 25% off USA First. 25% off USA First. Go now. Guys, we usually do these Chicago videos on Monday, but I figured that I probably should actually do this today because I was actually looking for another story here to shoot. But when I saw this, this really did catch my eye, folks. We're not even through the full weekend. And we're talking about the number of people actually shot in Lori Lightfoot, Chicago. And it's sad, guys, that crime is just run amok in Democrat run cities. And folks, it's pretty tragic, too, because out of the people that were shot, a 13 year old lost his life. Here we go, guys, on Breitbart. 19 shots Friday into Saturday night across Mayor Lori Lightfoot, Chicago. We do these videos on a weekly basis. But I'm doing it right here Sunday afternoon. Because when I saw the number 19, I was like, my goodness. So we don't even know what the full count for the weekend is going to be. Because we don't have the the uh, the Sunday numbers Today is Sunday, by the way. Let's read this, guys. 19 people were shot, two of them fatally, Friday into Saturday night across Mayor Lori Lightfoot's Chicago. ABC 7, Chicago Sun-Times reports the first of two fatal shootings took place just before 10 p.m. Friday night. And in Chicago, folks, nothing happens good at night in Chicago, it seems. When a 13-year-old boy was shot and killed in the 7,000 block of North Sacramento Avenue. CBS Chicago notes the 13-year-old was identified as Lavelle Winslow. He was found on a park bench with a gunshot wound to his head. Who shoots and kills a 13-year-old? Who does this? Just after um, midnight Saturday morning, the second fatal shooting occurred when a 17-year-old was shot and killed in a 700 block of West 50th Street. Another child was shot. 17-year-old, 13-year-old, 
This is unbelievable, man. Breitbart News reported nearly 20 were shot last weekend in Chicago, and the shooting victims included two fatalities. The Sun-Times indicates that 539 people were killed in Chicago January 1 of this year through yesterday. 539 people. Why do you people in Chicago put up with this? Why? Why do you people vote for people that do not want to prosecute criminals? And we know that these people that are actually in charge, you know, they're Soros funded, which means let them go. Don't prosecute crime. When will the people of Chicago wake up and change the way that they actually vote for people? Lori Lightfoot is a hot mess. It is sad, folks, that we do videos and we're reading that a 13 year old was shot in the head and killed. On a park bench. I mean, who shoots and kills a 13 year old? Who does this? When will you people in Chicago have enough? I'm not even in Chicago. Folks, you got to get out of these these uh, cities. You got to get out these cities. I'm in a loss for words right now. I really, really am. It seems like I care more about what's happening in Chicago than the people in Chicago. I mean, if you want to be a career criminal and kill people, man, Chicago is perfect for you because it seems like nothing happens to these people. Nothing. How how in the hell did people in Chicago vote in Lori Lightfoot? How? How did that happen? I still don't understand how Lori Lightfoot is the mayor of Chicago. I mean, does Chicago have any type of um, recall thing that they can do? I don't know. But something tells me that uh, Chicago is probably just so lost right now that they'll probably end up, um, if they could anyway, get rid of Lori Lightfoot and just bring in another Lori Lightfoot. Now, we've seen that in New York City. People complained about Bill de Blasio in New York City. He's out. They bring in Bill de Blasio 2.0 in Eric Adams, the governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo from the Cuomo crime family. He's out. Then they bring in uh, Kathy Hochul. No better. I don't know what is going on with these people out there. Why do you guys vote for this stuff? Why do you vote for politicians that endanger your lives? You got to change this, man. Kids are dying out there. Kids are dying. And it happens in Democrat run cities. Time and time again, nothing changes. It seems to never change. 19 people, man. Two fatalities and both of the fatalities were children. This is just unbelievable, guys. It's very, very sad. That's just my thoughts on this. What do you guys think of this? Black and white network fans, this is so sad, guys. Let us know what you think about all this in the comments. Make sure to subscribe to the channel. And we'll catch you next time. Tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no holds barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. I'm back. Rotrance for our Black and White Sports 2. Well, it seems Pete Carroll may have, may have had us all fooled. We watched that super awful performance on that uh, Thursday night football game between the Broncos and the Colts where. Russell Wilson looked terrible, and frankly, he's looked bad all season. Come to think of it, he didn't look great last season. Now, um, you've got to wonder what exactly happened here. There's been rumors out there talking about the fact that Russell Wilson doesn't really want to run anymore. 
He doesn't really want to be a scrambling quarterback. He wants to do all of his work from directly in the pocket. And while in theory, that's great, except you're a slightly below average pocket quarterback. That's a problem. Now, you got to wonder, was Denver sold a bad bill of goods? And I'm not talking about from Seattle. I'm talking about from Russell Wilson himself. Did he let them know, I don't want to run as much anymore. I want to primarily be a pocket quarterback. Well, man, I could have said that's probably not going to go well. Now, there's been a lot of things over time that have come out about Russell Wilson out of Seattle, right? Things involving attitude. Things that that might have led you to believe that he might have felt he was entitled and I used to defend Russell Wilson on a lot of this stuff. I, I said his press conferences were very professional, very well put together. And then he comes out and says something like, well, I've been practicing my press conferences since I was nine. And you're like, wait, what? Okay, so you hear that. And you're like, oh, that's freaking weird. And then you're like, why doesn't any of your teammates seem to like you? I thought that was odd. And why doesn't Pete Carroll like you, right? A guy that's known to be a a player's coach, right? He even said, uh, after Seattle beat Denver, he even said, this is for the guys that aren't here anymore. That was a terrible look for Russell Wilson. Well, Richard Sherman's got a podcast, and he had Marshawn Lynch on. And we discovered something that is like, Next level douchebaggery. Uh, and it's from Russell Wilson. And I cannot imagine considering these two guys are directly responsible for having helped him win a Super Bowl and frankly get to another one. I read this and was like, whoa, this is a guy that truly is truly trying to get himself up to Jackson Mahomes, and if you don't know who that is, that's Patrick Mahomes' very hateable-ass brother that can't act right. He is trying to get himself up to Jackson Mahomes' kind of hateability level. Um, I saw this and was like, you know what? I officially feel bad for Denver Broncos fans. I really do. Because I think that trade... could end up being one of the worst in the history of football that nobody, in all honesty, saw coming outside of people involved with the Seahawks. Not their fault. It's not. Marshawn Lynch refuses to call Russell Wilson after Richard Sherman reveals quarterback makes him go through his manager. So let me understand this. Let me get this straight now. And I understand Russell Wilson will absolutely get serious Hall of Fame consideration. Well, so will Richard Sherman, and so will Marshawn Lynch. And you mean to tell me that a a former teammate, anybody in the NFL that plays in the NFL, can't call you directly? They've got to reach out and go through your manager. What kind of Hollywood star do you think you are? I saw this and was like, wow, he is, he's really trying to get people to not like him at this point. This is OutKick. There's a large contingency of NFL fans who do not like Russell Wilson. Keep in mind, before this season, I was not one of them. I was not. The Broncos quarterback who spent 10 years with the Seattle Seahawks to begin his career is one of the cringiest players in the league. And they're going to they're going to bring something up here. I saw the commercial and I was like, "What is going on right now? This Subway commercial is god awful that Russell Wilson is in. Just this year alone, not even counting on-field struggles, Wilson has commanded the attention for his off-field annex. He showed up to the first game of the year looking like a dinner mint. He yelled at his teammates like a peewee coach. That does not go over well in the National Football League. Released a brutally uncomfortable Subway ad. It is 
cringy as f. I mean, it's bad. Oh, Outkick, you got to do something about these pop-ups. Arrived at training camp in an unnecessarily large vehicle. I guess I haven't seen that. And continues to show, and this is this is the part I'm really talking about. Continues to show very little self-awareness. That's not a good look for what's supposed to be a franchise quarterback. Wow. That doesn't even include the whole let's ride saga. Also cringy at press conferences. Needless to say, there are countless examples of Wilson being corny, awkward, or odd. A large part of his easily dislikable persona stems from a significant lack of relatability. It's like he's a total space cadet. It's really weird. It's virtually impossible to connect with Wilson on any level. And it's not just the fans that feel this way. Marshawn Lynch recently joined Richard Sherman's podcast and revealed a bizarre tidbit about their former quarterback. Russell Wilson requires people to go through his manager if they want to get in touch with him. What? I mean, we're talking about ex-teammates, guys that honestly, eventually, Lynch and Sherman will both eventually get in the Hall of Fame. Whether you think they should or not, they will both eventually get in. They will. Despite the fact that Lynch and Sherman played a large chunk of their careers with Wilson, they do not have his phone number. They have to go through his manager to get in touch with him because he doesn't give out his digits. What in the hell? Right now, because he, he on a struggle bus. Man, I want to reach out to Dog, bro. Because yeah, I reach mean, out to it. You know it his ain't manager. that. You know it ain't. Man, come his on, manager. nigga. If I can't, if I if if I can't call you direct, nigga, then I ain't calling you. Especially, nigga, if I don't went to war with you. I, you know, I mean, look, Marshawn Lynch is being brutally honest. I didn't got on the field with you and went through all these games. Look, Marshawn Lynch at times carried that damn team on his back. The Legion of Boom said, get on our back. We'll help take you to a Super Bowl, Russell. And these two guys cannot get in touch with you directly. Man, you want to talk about cringy and reading your own damn press clippings. I mean, for real, do you have an entire room just dedicated to nothing but good shit that people have said about you that feeds your ego? That is ego on another level. That your two potentially Hall of Fame teammates that you won a ring with can't text you and can't call you. I mean, what in double the F is that about? And, and guys, you want to talk about what I was talking about involving his stats and his newfound refusal to run the ball? I want you guys to look at this. And this is a big damn problem because it showed up last year. All right? This showed up last year. Rushing. Now, he had a down year, and we saw it. Last year, he ran for 183 yards. The year before, 513. Think about that. 586, 553, 849 with six TDs, 539. This year, 180. Uh, this year, 73. Sorry about that. This year, 73 rushing yards. So he's on pace to run for what? If he played all 17 games, he might run for 200 yards. Two years ago, he ran for 513. Now, which quarterback did Denver think they were getting exactly? Because I don't know about you guys. I want the Russell Wilson that is willing to run for 500-plus yards a season. 
Otherwise, you're just a slightly more accurate Colin Kaepernick. Except Kaepernick still ran. Yikes. I don't know. I saw that and it rubbed me all kinds of the wrong way that this guy, and it drives me crazy with these athletes, some of them that lack self-awareness, for him to make ex-teammates, especially superstar ex-teammates, okay, have to go through his damn manager when guy look, there's people in the league that can literally pick up a phone and text, we've got NFL players. We have had NFL players email us. Are you shitting me? I mean, what is Russell Wilson doing? And it's a further indictment that, by the way, Geno Smith is having a career renaissance like we have not seen since Alex Smith and Jim Harbaugh got together. I mean, he is running. He, he's beating the Cardinals as I record this video on my TV right now. And he's leading the league in passer rating and in completion percentage. And when he played last year, he looked good. Wow. It's a hell of an indictment. Geno Smith is out playing Russell Wilson. Say it out loud. Look, I know he I know he said he was going to get treatment on his shoulder. Okay. I, I'm just I'm just saying that. I'm not I'm not going to say he isn't. But all I'm going to say is if I got an ego problem and I know I'm struggling, man, I might have to come up with a bad hammy all of a sudden. Just putting that out there tell me what you think black and white sports two fans look if you're a broncos fan i'm not trying to hate on y'all y'all got a great culture and 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 broncos fans deserve a good quarterback they're great fans man i am so worried about this trade that you guys made right here and somewhere pete carroll and john snyder are so happy about getting rid of this dude you we always wondered why in the hell were you trying to chase a super bowl winning quarterback out of town i think we know don't we i think we know now wow peace i'm out till next time thanks for watching the show be sure to like comment and subscribe be sure to tune in next time on black and white sports